Hey yo, all aboard and welcome, it's about to be on Grab a couple of cones, cause we about to be gone To the Caribbean, seven days and eight nights Got the crew coming heavy, but we all packing light Yeah, we always be booked, we got our drinks in the sky From New York City to the USBI Is that a full margarita, man? Finish it up Cause we about to run the beer like Forrest Gump Finding pockets on the Lido, she ain't gotta be a tent Cause we did the things, and we'll do them again Tonight's the white party, but we blacking it out Cause we got the drink pack and we're maxing it out Everybody come on I said sound that horn Cause we gotta get away To where the police from yeah. All aboard and welcome Ladies and gentlemen To the Always Be Booked Cruisecast show Coming to you Not quite live From Palm Beach County, Florida Alright, let's do it So uh, we just talked to you About the top of the show We told you it was gonna be about The Harmony of the Seas First I wanna just give you a little bit of an update of um how rough this move was <laughs> not that you want to hear me complain but it was just so much it was so underestimated by me and i have to take the blame for that i just don't like to ask people to help me move i mean that's just like hey you want to help me move no i don't <laughs> and i'm not going to pretend i do maybe i should maybe i should ask for you know some assistance or whatever or reach out but i honestly uh, maybe it's partially too because I don't want people to ask me to help them move. <laughs> but I just figured this time I wasn't going to transfer everything. I was just going to sell everything off and kind of just, you know, start from scratch down here for a while, take what's important, and then just kind of go from there. And that's what I did do. But the whole selling of all the items were well, planned to be a little bit more than I bargained for, slash. Uh, not being able to give away a lot of items. Now, in South Florida, I'm sorry, Orlando, when I moved, it was much easier. Everybody down in Florida has a truck or at least a vehicle. Uh, it's just funny. You, some of the things that you heard people asking me, it was like a couch. I had a couch for sale for 125 bucks. It started out at 350 Ended up giving it, no, giving it away for like, yeah, 120 But, uh, you know, just had the weirdest questions. You know, these millennials, they just did. Uh, kid, well, I need help. It was a young lady. She was like 24 years old. Her name was, uh, what was her name? Oof. Doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> but she was like, well, I need help carrying it out. I was like, okay, you know, I guess maybe that's a weird question. But yeah, you're going to need help carrying it out. It definitely. It's from third story. And then she goes, okay, that's fine. Do you think I'll be able to put it in an Uber? I'm like, no, Bianca. Bianca is her name. No, Bianca. Sorry, it's a couch. Uh, people asking me for um, portable ACs and yelling at me because they need a window vent just to kind of go out of. You know what a portable AC is, right? You just wheel it around and you have to have an outtake. You have to have an output that goes into the, uh, you know, goes outside. You know, that's how they work. You don't have to stick it in the window and leave it in there, but you just do have a, have a, a tube that has access to it. People asking me, why would I want it? If I had a window, I was, I'm like, listen, this is how these things work. I don't know what to tell you, but it was a crazy move, and it took about uh, two full days uh, of moving and kind of like getting rid of a lot of garbage, and I just decided I did not want to hoard at all anymore, and I parted ways with some things that were perfectly good, but I just did not want to basically be shipping them around i'm just moving around and i'm taking these things that never come out of the boxes and nobody wants but are still perfectly good whether it's old electrical electronics or it's uh just just clothing whatever it is so i'm just trying to between trying to get it to uh you know clothing to to you know churches or 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 goodwill 
thrift stores or whatever it is. I had a lot of clothing that I was going to drop away from that I just wasn't using anymore. Between finding places to throw things out, it was an all-night affair. You know, seeing a couple of people before I left and going, you know, back to Long Island, hanging out with my uh, family for a little while, and then kind of getting back up there and realizing that I have to leave today, and this was Thursday. I have to leave today. It's about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and I still have about 800 pounds worth of furniture in my apartment. So I literally just, just gorilla it. I just freaking took the stuff. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to get it out of here. It's going to take some time. It took a while. I was literally, when I tell you for those two days, and it's crazy because I'm going to say this. It's, it's, uh, it, it's ridiculous that you got to go to Haiti to escape the heat of New York City. It's, it doesn't make any sense, but that's exactly what it was. Uh, it was noticeably cooler and more comfortable in Haiti than it was in New York City at the end of August, early September, as we just experienced. So I was literally like, when I say my shirt and clothes were soaked and drenched, it doesn't do it justice. It, it was literally like as if I, it was as if you jumped in the pool and there was still water in the form of sweat coming off the shirt just constantly going up. It's a three-story walk-up, so I'm up, I'm down, I'm carrying this, I'm bringing that down, I'm driving this here, coming back for that, doing this. Of course, the people who did buy things from me, you know, they didn't have anybody to help them. So I was like, you know what? I'm giving you this for very, very cheap. The least you could do is bring somebody to help you kind of take it down. And uh, no, it was me. It's like, well, the guy's like, well, I can't take it myself. I'm like, well, if I want to sell this thing or if the bare minimum I want it out of my apartment, I'm going to have to help this guy. So let's uh, let, let's get it going. So that's what I was doing most of the time. And then, yeah, I did get a couple of minutes in with dad. And then 830 Friday night, I was on the road. And uh, that was it. That's the journey. So uh, I remember just calling my dad at about 8.30, right as soon as I got on the Jersey Turnpike, and he was laughing his ass off, just wondering, you know, what the hell are you got going there? What do you, what took you so long? But it happened. And uh, I drove straight through to, and mind you, I was exhausted already because it didn't. So I drove through the night and got to North Carolina, uh, a little town in North Carolina, about 40 minutes uh, 40 miles, I should say, before Fayetteville, and uh, got out. Uh, you know, luckily it was North Carolina. I took the important stuff out of the ca- out of the back of my truck, put it into the cab of my truck, and uh, negotiated with the woman <clears throat> to be able to get a one o'clock checkout time. I left at about 12:30, and I was back on the road, and I got to Florida, uh, Boca Raton, at about 12:30 a.m on a you know friday night which you know got a cruise in just basically 12 hours from there so it was nuts and then when i get home and big shout out to k because i am in the k compound right now this is the new studio k decides she's going to go to the amy schumer concert uh, the comedy show and uh she's gonna have some drinks and she knows i'm coming in and uh she's with a friend and she's just literally and i'm literally in pajamas just trying to deal with this move not really pajamas but just sweat gear and disgusting, sweaty, driving across the country. And she doesn't take no for an answer about going for a drink after uh, the show because she knows I'll be getting in at about 1230. I'm like, Kay, do you realize what, I, what what's coming to you right now? What, what's co- this, the disgust I'm in and the tiredness and the, you know, not a, let alone having to unpack and put everything in, you know, my room in your apartment, in your condo, and then having to... Uh, 
you know, catch maybe four or five hours of sleep and then wake up. And she came home, smashed. She's like, let's go out to have some drinks. I'm like, there's not going to be any drinks. With all due respect, I'm sorry. We can't drink now. I can't drink now. She's like, she laughed about it in the morning, but it was funny because, you know, you should go to Amy Schumer show and then, uh, then go to maybe a bar afterwards with the friends. And, of course, you're going to have a couple of drinks. And I've been there. You know what I mean? I'm on a level where somebody a level where somebody just isn't matching that level. And that's exactly where I was. But it's great to be here. The minute you get into South Florida, you just I just feel better. I just feel good. It's just you see the palm trees, even though you got to deal with the two hours of thunderstorms every day. Around that is all sunshine, beautiful. Uh, you got the truck. I got the truck going. I got the uh, drive-throughs, Pollo Tropical, Wawa, Payway, uh, all the all the spots. As I listen right now, you are not. I repeat, not hearing any sirens, are you? No, there's no sirens. Uh, if you listen really, really close, but you won't be able to hear it, but I heard it before, you'll hear outboard motors and jet skis. You'll hear maybe some thunder. You'll hear some birds chirping, but no, you are not going to hear any sirens. So that was it. The move happened, and then, uh, you know, we uh, <laughs> we got it going. So we fell asleep, and uh, Beatrix said, I'll just pick you up in Boca. And that was very, very nice of her. So she grabbed me in Boca at Kay's house, and uh, we took I-95 back down to uh, to um, to Port Everglades. Now, we talk about Beatrix, and you guys have heard her on the show, and she's talked about the Cuba trip, and she's flipped it on me with those 20 questions or whatever it was, and, you know, she she she's great. The one thing Beatrix is not, and what I will say, is that she's not a boozer. She's like a normal, like, God bless her, she's a normal person. You hear the stories about me and Chris and Nicole and Sony and everybody, and it's just you by some of you must l- listen to it and be like, what a bunch of drunks these people are. But, you know, it's not really that bad. It's just, we're just bar people, you know, we're bar industry people, and, you know, that's just what it is. But Beatrix is, it was always a restaurant person for a while. She got out of that business, but even when she was in it, Beatrix is just a, is a straight laced person who has a passion for life, passion, over the top passion for travel. And, uh, one one of my one of my best friends, a great great friend, Beatrix. So uh, I thought she would be a great travel buddy on this one, knowing full well that this was a cruise that maybe wouldn't be the best idea for me to go all out seven nights a week drinking. Because what do we have tomorrow? We got the cruise to Cuba tomorrow with my good buddies Joe and JP, who you have not heard much about because you know they have this is both of their first cruise. And this is this is when I talk about good friends, these are good friends too. Like family type friends like Beatrix and you know the people up north. They are just the same. I met them when I first moved to West Palm Beach back in 2000, and we had it was a family atmosphere from the beginning. These are two Boston guys, so this is going to be a little tr- uh, tricky for me to navigate the Yankee uh, Red Sox razzing because they're better than us right now. But I'm going to have to deal with that. But you know, when I first got down to West Palm, you're always nervous when you're leaving, especially where you left for me, which is just a tight tight knit neighborhood, and people just don't leave my town normally. But I get down, I get down to Florida, and within a month, you know, I had a crew of friends that was that I just knew that these people were going to be my friends forever. And then my friends from home would come down and visit. They know them. It was just everybody got along. It's a northeast thing, I think. You know what I mean? These people kind of like were like minded, and uh, it, I was very fortunate. We used to have family dinners at. Uh, my friend Joelle's house, and she would cook for 11 or 12 of us, and we would just, you know, maybe it got intensified, and we just looked out for each other, knowing because we were all from somewhere else, but we were all from sort of the same area, 
being from some somewhere else, not having known each other, all gathering here in Florida, you know, against what you would call the natives or, you know, some people out west would consider some of the people in Florida rednecky a little bit or townies or locals. We were all Philly, New York, Boston people, and we found each other, and we always stayed in touch. In fact, Joe has worked with me in four, three or four different markets. We took him out to Arizona. He came with me to Pittsburgh. And, uh, you know, Joe's, Joe's, Joe's been a really, really good friend, as has JP. Just they haven't necessarily been on your radar because they have not ever cruised. And, you know, here I'm in South Florida. Well, guess who's in town? And guess who's dragging people onto cruise ships? That's me. Exactly. So, like, getting back to Beatrix, I just thought it was going to be really, really good to go with her because also she is, and you know me, I like the culture. You know, anytime you're an avid cruiser, I would dare you, I would question you. If you would tell me I am a hardcore cruiser, but I am uh, I put a premium on culture and uh, sightseeing when I when I vacation, because those two things to me, you know, maybe you do both. That I'll accept. But you know, if you're just a hardcore Type A cruiser, typically, you know, trekking through things and hiking through things and getting dirty and this and that and sitting with natives and locals and we're as cruisers typically. And don't get mad, people, because I'm just saying this is. For the most part, you know, we sit on the cusp of that a little bit. We like a native experience. We like a uh, a, a, a cultural experience. But typically, you know what? If we really like the culture that much, would we be going into port for six, seven hours at a time? No. So, but me, I'm that guy. I like it both ways. I like it. Well, that sounded terrible, didn't it? <laughs> Uh, I, I like the whole cruise, get in and get out, nobody gets hurt thing. I like the whole enjoy yourself, um, margaritas, palm trees, and this and that, and reggae music and things like that. But I also do like to get into it. Now, Beatrix has gone on cruises, but she's a beast of a traveler, non-cruise related. So she's been to a lot of places. Check out her uh, Instagram, which is BTRX Travel Bug. Check that out, and you'll see all sorts of different pictures from different places. She does, uh, I would say, probably prefers a land-based vacation. So now she's cruising. Her influence on me is going to be on cultural things. Now, Haiti, not too much culture there because you don't get to see the actual Haiti. If you did, you could, but uh, it is what it is. But we'll we'll get into all that stuff. Um, I was so glad that we were not necessarily going to, I actually did get a couple of days in. I got maybe three days where I definitely felt very tipsy, but for the most part for a cruise, I kind of played it sober. We got up early. We went to bed early and that was it. So she picked me up. We drove down. It's about 25 minutes from Fort Lauderdale. I'm sorry, from Boca Raton to Fort Lauderdale. And it was crazy because the weather was awful. You were hearing about potential hurricanes, this and that, none of that ever transpired. So there was no problems, but we get to uh, Beatrix's apartment and we call the Uber. She's got like three bags. I got like two and a half bags, whatever it is. And we're kind of just waiting for the Uber and we get in. So now we get in the Uber and we, the the Uber driver is a Jamaican woman. And it was really, really cool because she was giving, some, was giving us some good last minute tips. And she was telling us about, uh, you know, the people are very nice there, but the crime has just really gotten out of control there. Now, she was just kind of filling our ears with a bunch of stuff, and she was saying that a lot of people leave Jamaica in their early 20s, and what they'll do is they'll come to America, they'll create a good life for themselves, put some savings away, develop a pension, and then they'll come back to Jamaica in their 60s or whatever. But 
that's uh, becoming less frequent because while Jamaica is kind of known for having a lot of impoverished areas and a lot of crime, very often it was uh, it, it was it was kept inside the urban places like maybe Kingston or this place called Brownstown. Uh, what she was telling us was that uh, it was starting to spread into the uh, the suburbs and stuff like that, where normally areas of Jamaica where you'd think you were pretty good, now all of a sudden there are you know, the murder rate elevated, the, you know, the, the crime rate in general elevated, people stealing things, and it's just she didn't necessarily have even a hate for it. She was just like, listen, desperation is desperation. That's what it's going to breed. So I just she was just saying it's not necessarily as safe as it used to be to go back and do that and find your little hideaway and collect your pension and live a beautiful life in Jamaica as it was. So we were getting into the story. We get to the port. We unpack uh, from the car. We realize we're short a bag. And guess whose bag it is? That's right. It's my backpack. It's not there. So now I'm like, oh, no. Did I leave it? In Beatrix's car? Did I leave it in Boca Raton? Did I leave? And I'm just, you know, you're excited. You're cruising. You're pumped up. And you know what? I forgot my freaking backpack. In the backpack was all my all my underwear and socks and all of my uh, bathroom, I guess. What do you Hoosery? 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 No, that's the linen. That's the bathroom stuff, right? Just the, the shampoo, the soap, the shaving, good, all that stuff. You know, the, the, the hygienic stuff. So we're already late because you know my style. And Beatrix was fine with that too, surprisingly. I thought Beatrix might be like, you know what? We're going to get on that ship by noon. No, she also wanted to avoid the line. So she was good by getting there about 2.30. Thankfully, Beatrix lives five minutes, 10 minutes from the port. So <laughs> the lady was so nice. I'm like, just bring me back how much? She's like, just give me 10 bucks. We'll go back. I don't even know if I was going to find it when I got there. We get back to Beatrix's apartment. Beatrix is waiting actually at the port. She didn't she didn't take the ride back. But she was like, I'm not going to get on the ship without you, so I'll just wait in here. I was like, all right. Get in the Uber. We drive back. We continue to talk about Jamaica. We get to Beatrix's apartment outside, out front of her apartment complex. There's a little roundabout driveway, and there's a mail truck sitting there. I run behind the mail truck, and there is my backpack. I'm like, okay, because that would have been a crappy start. You know, we already got past it. You know, buy a couple of socks, buy some toothbrush, toothpaste, hair gel, deodorant, whatever. We would have got through it, ladies and gentlemen. But you know what? Not the great way to not a great way to start the cruise if you have to start from scratch with all that stuff. But yeah, we did it. We made it back, and it was all good. Uh, so we get on the on the ship. The ship we were on the ninth floor. The room we had was nine six four three nine six four three, and uh, I opened the door, and I don't know, guys. I know it's the Harmony. I know you can compare it to Texas. Everything's bigger in Texas. Everything's bigger in you know on the Harmony. But this was the biggest cruise ship room I've ever had. You know what I mean? I mean it wasn't a palace. It wasn't a suite. It wasn't anything crazy. But just for being a regular, uh, we, uh, ocean, it wasn't an ocean view. It was a Central Park view. But regular window room. I had never seen a cruise ship where that felt this spacious. You know how you open the door from the bathroom and usually that becomes uh that's almost able to cover the whole front door no you had plenty of room it felt like an actual sized hotel room almost and maybe some of you could know this i should have looked it up i did not look it up yet but i want to know the square foot 
difference between uh, the whatever category that was, ninth floor, Central Park View, room 9643. I'm going to check it out. If any of you know offhand, let me know. Tommy at alwaysbebooked.com or just let me know in the lounge. But uh, it was just crazy. It was crazy how much room you had. And not only did you have that room, you have the window. So in that window, you had a little nook where, you know, we had the same thing on the uh, the promenade view of the Freedom of the Seas, but this one was much bigger. It was much more luxurious. It was made out of leather or faux leather, whatever it was. But it was just a room where I, I you know, I'm, I'm, I'm nervous to, to what I'm going to get on tomorrow as a comparison to that. Like, I already know about the ship. The ship is not comparable. But, I mean, even just the stateroom, and there's three of us. We're doing three in the room, three grown friggin' men. It was just going to be me and Joe. We were booking it, and then JP called up and asked me about it. And he's like, Joe told me about this cruise you're going on. I'm like, yeah, we're going. He's like, how do I get in on that? I'm like, well, you know, JP, do you you have somebody with you? you?" He's like, no, I was just saying, I'll just jump in with you guys. I'm like, yeah, hell yeah. So I'm all about that. But yeah, the disadvantage is is it going to be three in a room, three grown men in a room. Uh, And Joe is a, uh, oh man, I don't think he's going to hear this, but also I'll say it. Joe is, um, and I'm not going to say I don't snore. But Joe is a snorer's snore. He's in the snore hall of fame. Joe, I've I've slept on a couch in a room with Joe where he's on the couch. We've we've shared apartment complexes during projects for work where you know there was a not eleven exaggerated but like you know you have the five of us in a two bedroom suite in an apartment complex that you know the the company's paying for, and then out of the five of us, three of us will bring somebody home. So there's a total of eight of us, and it just becomes like a college life dorm situation. Joe's in there, and Joe is like. Uh, how do you describe Joe sleeping? When Joe's sleeping, it sounds like he's fighting for survival for the entire time he's sleeping. I, I don't, I don't. It, he's always had that. I've known him for twenty years now, and that's like how he sleeps. It's just known. I've gone on trips with him where we've had to go for business and had other people room with them. You see those people the next day; they're like disasters because they haven't gotten a wink of sleep. I'm confident it'll be fine. I don't, I'm a light sleeper either way. I'll get some earplugs, maybe put some uh, headphones in. Maybe, who knows, maybe sleep somewhere else on the ship. Who knows? I've done that before. Not voluntarily, though. We all know about that. But I'm, it doesn't matter, man. None of it matters. I'm just really, really excited to be on a cruise with these guys because, again, as awesome of a time as I had with Beatrix, having that be one type of cruise, this is going to be another type of cruise. And uh, in every single way possible, <laughs> the ports we're going to, the ship we're sailing on, the room we're going to be in, and the company that's going to be uh, kept. You know, I, I, it's, I'm, I'm fortunate. I've been fortunate over the last couple of weeks, so I'm very, very happy about that. Um, <clears throat> so, all right. So, getting back to this particular cruise. So, we had day one, pretty much a sea day, as you know. We chilled out, relaxed. We, uh, I think that we did eat in the main dining room. That was the uh, first and only time for me in the main dining room. It was a little strange. You sit there and, um, you know, it's it's big ship problems. You know what I mean? Not, not even big ship problems. Big ship is big ship. Mega ship problems, I should say. Uh, we sat there and we literally nobody even looked at us for about 15 minutes. It felt like 15 minutes. It was at least 10 minutes. And we're sitting there and we're just, you know, we don't give a shit. We're just chilling. And we're two restaurant people. So. Yeah, in my mind, we're judging why this is not acceptable. Beatrix is over the top. Beatrix is a hardcore restaurant person, and I love it. I love just kind of like, because I learned from her too, 
and uh, she picks apart everything. Not in the way where she's pissed. She's not mad. She's not like complaining. Oh my gosh, these silverware. No, she's just kind of like smiling with it and saying, "Oh, this was me. I used to, li- I used to go nuts over there." So it wasn't like you know, don't get that. A lot of times, I feel like I get that. I get the idea. People get the idea that I'm complaining, guys. I'm 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 on here as a voice, and I'm kind of like, I guess what, a little bit of a critic. I'm not trying to be a critic. I don't try to criticize, but you know, again. Every time I say something bad. Now, <laughs> I was, I will say this, little foreshadowing here. I was as pissed as I ever was on any cruise during a time on this cruise forever. All of my cruises, 20 plus cruises, I was never this pissed. And I'll get to that in a minute. Having said that, there's no such thing as a bad cruise for me just so long as everything's okay. And, you know, even when I crash mopeds and even when, uh, you know, I almost get run over in St. Thomas or even when whatever happens, you come back. And as long as you come back in one piece, it's not a bad cruise. No matter what, there's no such thing as a bad cruise. So don't, you know, I mean, I'm not even going to keep repeating this, but I'm just going to say it again here. When I criticize things, it's me making observations. It's me saying this is what I experienced. I could not care less that we did not even get a bread or a water delivered to us for 15 minutes as we sat down and people around us are getting taken care of. It's an oversight. We're at sea. I'm looking out the window at the horizon. We're chilling and we're just laughing about it. It's crazy because you know what? It happens and it's human. It's human. So after 15 minutes, I did kind of raise my hand and say, hey, can we get a... And the guy was like, what do you mean? You know, you didn't order yet? No, we didn't order yet. We didn't even get water yet. We, so no one's been here? And the guy was like, oh my gosh. He was like, of course. He was like, I'm sorry. So that was it. So the food was okay. Didn't love the selections. I wasn't blown away by the selections. So I was like, eh, you know what? You know, it's got to be something to do with the mega ship. You know what I mean? Like the food was cold. And I guess when you have to prepare for 6,000 plus guests, It's not as easy to have everything coming out piping hot at the same time, you know, on on cue. Maybe having my my time dining has something to do with that, too. It's a little tricky. Maybe if you have uh, if you pick an actual time like a normal person and, you know, things come out and they're hotter and it's more of a rhythm. And that's kind of like what they what they what they give you. But it wasn't. But either way, I just wasn't complaining. I was just like, eh, whatever. No good. So, um the uh so that so yeah so that was it for the main dining room for me what else do i have here uh yeah we walked around the ship uh beatrix is really into tennis so she was watching tennis uh, uh making note of you know she would always like to be in a bar that there there was sound on for the game and if not she was happy to kind of go to the room and check out you know she's a big uh She's a big Nadal fan, and uh, I guess he retired. I didn't know retired in tennis means you just sit out for the rest of the match. Retired means in you know in my sports, baseball, football, basketball means that you're done. You uh you know it's a victory lap. You're finished. You're over. But um we uh we also looked at some excursions, but we pretty much uh you know it was travel day two, so you pretty much get a little bit of rest and you, you turn in early. Day two, uh, we went downstairs and they were doing, it's weird, I didn't expect this, but they did a DreamWorks parade in the middle of the day. You guys know on you know the end of the cruise, that's like their culminating crown jewel moment on board is when they do the DreamWorks parade down the promenade. They did this very same thing because I could tell you it was pretty much the same thing because I saw the parade, I happened to walk by the parade on the, on the last night, and it was weird, they they just did a. It, it was it was strange. It was strange to see them doing that exact parade during the afternoon on the first full sea day. 
but it was cool to watch. I got some good video. You'll see that. Uh, did take a lot of pictures, and I am about halfway maybe through the montage. You know, this is a different type of montage because normally the montage includes a lot of drunken escapades and running around and being idiots and excursions and stuff. This montage is going to be mostly about the ship. Uh, you know, it's like it's going to basically be titled The Harmony, uh, almost all of The Harmony, because you know what? Almost. Why? Because it's The Harmony. You know how hard it is to get everything on The Harmony? Uh, but either way. Uh, so we saw The Dive Show. I'll talk a little bit more about The Dive Show later, but let's just say The Dive Show is, to me, it's a game changer. It, to me, to me, The Dive Show that you see on on a cruise ship that we saw and you watching this on the back of a, of a ship to me, is absolutely amazing. And then that was it. Day three was Labadee. Now, Labadee, Haiti, this is my second time there. The first time I did that zip line, that honestly was a life-changing, memorable experience. I wasn't going to do it again. Basically, I don't know. I wasn't going to do it solo. And you know what? I got a lot of cruising going on, and I got no job, and <laughs> I have a lot of things happening. So do I need to pay the $120 or whatever it was going to be again to do that? So I didn't do it. I kind of just lived with the memory of us four doing it in our last cruise. And uh, what I did do was the roller coaster. So uh, that's that Alpine roller coaster. I had done one before in Jamaica. And, uh, you know, it's very, very similar. It's really cool. It's a baby roller coaster. I mean, you could make it a crazy roller coaster. I didn't necessarily trust it. I'm, you know, being the weight I am and kind of like just letting the whole thing, gravity take over. There are some sharp turns. I don't want to go flying into the Haitian forest. So we didn't do that. So I was on the break a little bit. So it was it was really, really cool. I, I enjoyed it. Got a little bit of footage on that. You'll see that as well. Then after that, I walked around, got some pictures, and uh, Beatrix decided, again, being the cultural uh, you know, icon that she is, she wants to make sure that she gets a piece of everywhere she goes, and I totally respect that, but she did what was called a um, Haiti Traditions Tour, uh, and I think it was half on land, half, at, half on a boat, and uh, she checked out uh, some traditions. They do some, uh, whatever it was, belly dancing, some tribal stuff, some, uh, you know, uh, basket weaving uh, and all that stuff, just kind of like just taking you around about showing you the natural resources of Haiti, giving you information about the island. I did not do that. Um, why didn't I do that? I, sh- I didn't want to do it. That's it. I think Haiti to me too also was going to be uh, probably the day I was going to enjoy drinking the most because we weren't drinking too much as we said over and over again. And this was a day on Haiti Chilling out, relaxing, let Beatrix go do a thing. Plus, you know what I mean? Where they were together. I don't know if she's sick of me. She wants a little break from me. Let her do a thing. So I um you know, I did the roller coaster, walked around the beach a little bit, and then made my way out to what I like to call the bar at the end of the world, you know, after the Kenny Chesney song. We went out there. I went out there and uh I ordered a labadoozy. Now I didn't enjoy the labadoozy. The last time we got it, it felt like a a little bit of a scam to me where they would just take ice cream scoops and throw them into uh, a cup out of a cooler. Nothing made fresh. Just they must have made it on the ship and just took it onto a cooler. Now, this was not an unsimilar situation. This is close to a very similar situation. But either way, um, you know, I found a stool a stool at the bar and then just started meeting some nice people. And uh, we were BSing the whole time. They were really, really cool. And uh, I asked her for a labadoozy, and she made the labadoozy, and since I did not have the drink package, I had to pay full price. When you pay full price, you get a big, giant, thermos-sized cup, and uh, I got that. And then when she went to pour the rum in, excuse me, an interesting thing happened. 
she dropped the rum in, the cap fell off, and a bunch of rum just spilled into the drink with the cap. Now, what do you think I did about that? Because did I think I was nervous about the unsanitariness of the cap falling into the drink and have her make me a new one? Or would I just enjoy the fact that half, (laughs) not half, a good portion of the bottle of rum fell into the Labadoozy mix? Of course you know what I said. So I was like, all right, no, no, no. Just like that's fine. And everybody laughed and everybody knew that, okay, this guy likes to get after it. So then we all had a good time. And I was drinking that and that, man, that, that did its job. And then, uh, but after that, I decided, let me get another one. And uh, she was like, uh, you want another one? And I was like, yeah, if you don't mind, just the way you made it before. And she was cool. She was a nice lady. And she was all, she's like, sure, I'll make it just the way you made it before. I guess, I don't know. I guess there's probably, <laughs> I guess that's the advantage, right? She could be a little bit more. I tipped her $5 in the last one. So that probably gave me a little bit of grace. But also at the same time, um, you're in a bar, you're in a floating barge bar that's about, 10 feet, not 10 feet, about 15 feet by 15 feet in the middle of the sea. I don't think you have to worry about too many managers watching your pores out there. So I guess that's why she was able to do the same, very same thing again. And then, uh, you know, that barge was awesome. And then when you get off the barge, you're in the water now. And then you can kind of like go to like these little tiki high top bars, like high top uh, tables at in the middle randomly throughout Haiti, throughout, I'm sorry, throughout Haiti, throughout the, you know, the, the adrenaline beach at Labadee. So, I did that, meeting people. I was feeling no pain, feeling good. I also had a great lunch out there. I didn't get the lunch last time. We were doing the zip line while the lunch was going on. So, yeah, it tasted really good. I don't know how they do it, man. Is it white meat, chicken breast on the bone, cooking for a massive amount of people, and uh, they did it to perfection. It wasn't more, it wasn't dried out. It was totally flavorful, good crust, uh, delicious, you know, plenty of flavor, and I was very, very happy with the lunch on Labadee. So that was it, and then we uh, had dinner later in the Windjammer. I will say this. We'll talk about this a little bit more later, but the Windjammer, um, I would skip... You know, that's the problem. We'll talk more about big ship versus little ship, but for the big ship, that's one of the reasons that I think is a drawback. The food, it's probably very, very difficult to really, um, I guess, maintain a culinary level of excellence on a big ship like this. I had a couple of good meals, definitely. Uh, uh, The Windjammer was hit or miss. I would say, no offense, a little bit more miss than hit. But, you know, it was still edible. Good, as good as anything I'll cook, so I, I ate it and it was it was it was okay. I didn't complain, but it was nothing like where I was like, oh, that was delicious. I'm gonna go back for seconds of that, uh, you know. So it was what it was. So, all right. So the next day is Jamaica. Now, let me set this up. Earlier throughout the pre-cruise process, we're in a Facebook group as we normally are. It's all the people who are going on our sailing. If you don't do that, check it out. There was, there's, you know, everybody used to go on Cruise Critic, and people still do. But now with Facebook, like, why bother? It's like, you know, you're on Facebook anyway. You're gonna have a cruise group for your sailing in the Facebook group. You're gonna on the Facebook page, so you might as well do that. So I was in that, and uh, for whatever reason, usually they're tough on advertisers. But this group wasn't, I guess. There was a tour of Jamaica and a guy named Duca Brown. He was hustling in that room. And he was friend requesting me. I didn't take the request, but he was just like, he was asking every day, what's everybody doing in Jamaica? Answering questions. He was just hustling. I was semi-annoyed by it 
but then also semi-respectful of it because I get it. You know what I mean? You're, you know, the guy's obviously probably a startup, but he's trying to make things happen. So I started negotiating with him. I started asking him what this is, what price. He's like, dude, we'll do a custom tour for you. I was like, well, I want to do Dun River Falls, definitely. But I also would love to get up in the mountains a little bit and see kind of the sights and kind of see Jamaica from the top. You know what I mean? He's like, perfect. We can do that. We can customize a tour for you. And I'm like, how much is it? They're like, any, he's like, any anything up... Anything up to um, four people is going to be two hundred, and anything a bit from four to eight people, from five to eight people is uh, four hundred. Um, so, oh no, no, wait, yeah, yeah, that's true. And so, so we start talking, and we're going back and forth. And he says he could do, you know, just do. We could do Dun River Falls, and then we could do Bob Marley. And then when you do Bob Marley, you'll get the cultural experience of like kind of like looking over the sea, and we'll give you a tour, and we'll tell you what the you know different farms are, and we'll give you an idea of what Jamaica is. And they would kind of hook us up with like a little bit of a guided tour. And we we saw another couple in there who we didn't know. Shout out to Suja. Uh, we didn't know her before this, but we said, hey, if you're interested in something like this. Let's uh let's let's get a foursome and we can make it fifty dollars each. So she was like, "All right, yeah, sounds good," but we don't really want to do Dun River Falls. So then the tour Jamaica guy stepped in and said, "No problem. While they do the tour, the where they do the falls, we can just continue on our sightseeing tour with you." So they were like, "Cool, this is great." So we made a connection with those people and we made a connection with the guy Duca Brown, and then all seemed good until the actual thing was supposed to happen. And I know I hear all of you collectively saying right now, that's why you go with the cruise excursions. And I cannot deny that. I have to admit that, yes, that is 100% in this case true because we did get screwed. And I was pissed, pissed, ladies and gentlemen. I was like, damn. You know my attitude at sea is just I'm mean, I'm you could you could make the argument I'm a little better now that I've had a little bit of high strung years on land and you know when I was in my younger more uh uh you know aggressive days you know I I didn't have the patience I have now in general but that all goes to shit at sea like I'm not nah, you're not throwing me off my game at sea I am chilling and uh that's usually how I am but now it's hot. Remind you, we're in Jamaica. So we get off the ship. The guy gives us the instructions. No problem, man. You go to the right. All you got to do is walk to the right. Go see security. Tell them Duke of Brown. They'll know who we are. and We'll be ready for you. I'm like, that sounds pretty simple enough. You know what I mean? All right, let's do it. We get off the ship, and there's nothing to the right of us. So we got to walk through the entire cruise terminal, which is not a problem, but I didn't know. So there's a little bit of ambiguity here. Now, of course, we're not near the ship. If, if, if The fact that we were going to lose Wi-Fi once we got off the ship, now you know we're losing contact because we have contact. We can Facebook and message each other. Now we know that we're off the ship. How are we going to stay in contact with each other? All right, it better be easy. If it's if it's not that easy, you got to be more detailed in your description. So we get off the ship, make the right. Okay, so maybe he just means to the right all the way through the cruise terminal. So we walk quarter of a mile past all the shops, past all the entertainers, the uh, you know the people, everybody, and we get to where we see. All right, this must be it because there's a bunch of tents here. So we go to the security guys. Oh yeah, where's Duca Brown? Who the hell is Duca Brown? We don't know what you're talking about. Are you with the Royal Caribbean excursion? No, this isn't. This is tour Jamaica. What is Tour Jamaica? All we can tell you is that the independent people are over here. There's a tent for the independent uh, tour, tour people. 
I'm like, all right, so that must be where he is. So we're getting a little frustrated, but we're walking over there. It's a little bit more of a walk to get there. <clears throat> we get to the umbrella, and there's like four or five tour guides that are not with Royal Caribbean, but still sponsored and uh, uh, um, what would you call it? Uh, accredited. They're still accredited and and have a license and everything like that. And they're still, you know, they're not Royal Caribbean, but they are recommended tour companies. So. We asked them. They don't know Duke of Brown. They don't know Tour Jamaica. But everybody's being very nice. They're being trying to be helpful. Now, I'm a slob. I'm sweating my ass off at this point. Beatrix does not suffer fools lightly in a lot of terms, and she will start losing patience too, as she was, as she should. So we're walking around. Nothing, nobody. We're like, all right, <clears throat> let's get back to the Wi-Fi. So we go back into the cruise terminal and go to a Starbucks. So now we have Wi-Fi. So now they're all, we see the wire on Wi-Fi. They've been trying to contact us. They get a little bit more of a description of where we are. Can they tell us to continue walking? Uh, we start walking again. So I walked back out, and then we walk out of the cruise entire whole area into basically a street of Jamaica. And they're yelling at us, we're over here, we're over here, we're over here. So I'm like, okay, this is an annoying start. No problem. I'm like, I'm just like, what, well, how did you find this place? Why would you tell us it was as easy as easy it was? But we didn't want to do that. The guy was like, you want a red stripe? We got a red stripe. No problem. Okay, forget about it. Put it behind us. Now, I noticed when we got in the van, there was another couple sitting in there. So our four-person custom tour turned into a six-person tour. Does that bother you? No, it doesn't bother me. I don't give a shit about it. But we sit there. Now, there was a little bit of an overcast to start the day. Not raining, just a little bit of an overcast. Guy turns around, says to the group of us, okay, guys, now you see it's going to rain today. I cannot control the weather, man. And uh, what's going to happen? We will have to skip Dun River Falls, and we will do a sightseeing tour, and we will do Bob Marley. So I'm pissed, but I'm not even responding. I'm just like, this is great. This is great. This is the whole thing I want to do is Dun River Falls. Now we're not doing that because it's maybe some rain. Like, uh... No, the truth was is that there was not going to be time to because they had another couple, and this other couple was off the carnival ship from Ocho Rios, which is an hour and a half away or something like that. And because we had to give have enough time to get them back to their port, he made up some story about the rain. Now, here's the thing. Uh, everybody else in the truck, and I'll be honest with you, I was the only one who was overreacting like this. I was the only one, you know, everybody else was pretty calm about it, but I was the only one who wanted to see Dun River Falls. And I'll say, like, you know, regarding just... The New York mentality, and I'm not, you know, I'm not Joe Jerkoff, New Yorker. Hey, how you doing? You know, I don't, I don't, I don't wear the New York on my sleeve as much. But one thing I will say about the New York personality, and you can't really get this out of us, and it's it's sort of speaks to a little bit of the 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 you know the bitchiness in us a little bit, and just the sensitivity is that we don't like to be played like jerkoffs. We don't, you know, if if <laughs> we don't like. You know, in New York, you're used to being dealing with a scam around every corner, and people are trying to play you around every corner, and you got to be kind of sharp and kind of defend from that. And when that happens, and when some guy just tries to freaking make a jerk off out of you and tell you a story and a routine, like you're gonna tell me right there, I was like, okay, so done. So you're basically telling me Dun River Falls is closed today for weather? I knew that wasn't the case. And then I don't get to do Dun River Falls, and I got to pay, like, we should have been reduced, right? So we, 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 uh, 
we should have paid $200 flat fee. That's what we were paying. We should have been able to play $33 each because there's another person, there's another couple in the car. And uh, he just basically says, all right, so we're going to go. So it pissed me off that I wasn't going to get to do the one thing I wanted to do there. And then it pissed me off I got to deal with this guy who thinks I'm an idiot and is going to tell me because of the weather we can't do Dun River Falls, so it's just going to be Bob Marley. Meanwhile, he's got another couple that he's got to rush back to the carnival port in Ocho Rios. I mean, come on, tell Cones. Tell me, am I wrong? Am I wrong? I was fired up, and I just went dark. I went silent, and I just, you know, I knew the couple in front of us who everything was all nice with them, Facebook, and Beatrix, God bless her, and this was a one element of uh, tension for the, for the week. She was like, I know, but you can't control it. You know, there's nothing like, Beatrix, don't, 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 don't. If I want to fucking be mad right now, I'm going to be mad. So don't don't tell me I can't be mad because I'm, I'm pissed right now. We're not, you know, you're not getting me out of this mood for a little while. I'll get myself out of it. But for right now, I'm going to be pissed off. And the other people heard, and they were like, ooh, you know, he's he's fired up. You know, I was, I was that guy a little bit. I wasn't in the, in the van screaming, but there was an energy coming off of me that you knew I was pissed. But they didn't give a shit about Dun River Falls anyway. So that's why they weren't mad. But all right, let me calm down. So now we're driving through, uh, <laughs> we're driving through Jamaica. And I'm just kind of going silent. I'm just kind of like, all right, this will pass. I'll get past this, no problem. The problem with trying to get past it was the, the ride getting there. The guy kept telling us every 20 minutes that uh, we were only 20 minutes away. And we were going into these hills around these bends. And this guy's all clearly a one-man operation. We don't know what the hell he... We don't know what we're doing anymore. We don't know where, you know, if he knows where he's going or not. But Because the information he was giving us was just ridiculous, too. We were asking questions. All right, so we're going to Bob Marley's. When was Bob... When did Bob Marley pass away? He's like, about 1940, he told us. <laughs> Bob Marley died in 1940 is what is what this guy told us. He didn't know the the that Jamaica produced uh, the biggest rum in Jamaica was Appleton rum. He's given us all sorts of I mean weird weird information. A song came on, and I'm a DJ. He said he was a DJ too, but it's a uh, it's it's uh, turn the lights down low uh, with Lauren Hill, and it's with uh, Ziggy or Damian Marley. I think it's a. He's like, I want to play for you my favorite Bob Marley song. And I'm like, this song was freaking made in the 2000s, buddy. I mean, come on. This is the tour I'm on. So that's kind of pissing me off a little bit more. He doesn't even know, like, what, uh, you know, the, the history of the country. He's kind of making stuff up as he goes along. Now, on top of this, I'm going to say this. Very nice guy. <laughs> I'll disclaim it. So the guy was very, and most of everybody I encountered in Jamaica were very, very nice, man. Very nice people. And he was a nice guy. And that was the thing, too. All before we left, too, he knew me. And he knew that I was the one that wanted to do Dun River Falls. So as soon as he got that information out, he knew I was going to be the problem. Even before we even left, he wanted to get a confirmation out of me. Okay, buddy? Good, good, good. Now, I saw nobody else was making a problem. Nobody else was, what am I going to do? No, we're not good. I want to go to Dun River Falls. What I absolutely should have done was got out of that van. But... The truth is, is that it was hot as hell. I was sweating my ass off. And you know what? If I'm going to take an air-conditioned ride now, I'm going to get there. I'm going to deal with it. At this point, it was less about the experience. It was more that this guy thinks he freaking got over on me. 
And uh, <clears throat> so whatever. So we're driving around. Now, Beatrix did not take this ride very well. I didn't really care as much. It was definitely, I was in a little bit of a white knuckle type situation. But Beatrix was 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 borderline uh, ready to jump out of the out of the van because you're riding through the hills of Jamaica and you guys tell me I I told you about this in St Thomas and it's kind of crazy sometimes but you know you're at the top of the hill in St Thomas in 25 35 minutes this was through the hills of Jamaica in this crappy ass van that you're like stuck inside and. it's just you don't know what you're going to hit. You're going around a corner and then it's a last minute swerve because this clearly road that looks like it's meant for one lane is clearly two lanes. People are dodging each other left and right and she's kind of just trying to relax but then he pulls a hard. You're already on the left side of the road so you're already thrown off the, off, off your game. So it's just wacky. So she was just having a hard time with that. I was just like, you know, and then we just kind of like was silent for like probably the last hour of it. And then we got up there, and I'll say that I wish I had been able to calm down a little bit better because once we were up there, it really was a truly, truly great experience. Uh, the area is called Nine Mile, and uh, the Nine Mile kind of represents you know what he had to track up, trek up, you know every you know when he was poor and young, and it was. Um, Mostly people in that nine-mile area are people who are either like family members of him or friends, relatives, or just people that are connected to him in some way, and that's who occupies that whole area. And, uh, you know, he had to go back and forth from school, and he never really forgot about it. He mentions in a lot of his music that nine-mile uphill walk, and, um, you know, what was weird is that he never left. He kind of stayed there despite having the means to do and go wherever he wanted in the world. He kind of just stayed close to where he came from and his people, and it's just, I guess, a, a test, t- testament to him. So, when we got up there, uh, Duca, the tour guide in the in the vehicle, handed us over to the tour guide of, um, you know, the the Bob Marley compound, which is, I guess, you'd compare it to like a Graceland for Elvis. I I really, like I said, wish I would have calmed down a little bit more because this was a great, great experience. Uh, They transferred us over to this Rasta guy, and he was uh, very informative, um, very funny, very charming, and he had a lot of, uh, you know, he had his routine down. It was a good, good tour. He was good at what he did, as I assume most of them who give the tours are. A lot of rules. It was funny because you know you get you you get to see the first first what you do is you see the general area of the house below. You check out. You know, the kitchen, the living room, and, you know, kind of like the little areas where he grew up. And, you know, they see a little display of all his gold records and uh, his all his just accolades and some artifacts. They show you where, you know, the hot sauce they're trying to sell you, but it's like uh, Bob Marley official hot sauce. But it, it was a good experience. They showed you the bedroom where his mother slept, and you got to see that and spend time there. And then you go out to a little bit of like a picnic area. At a landing, and you listen to reggae music. A live band kind of plays Bob Marley music for you for a little while, and then there's a guy there that will, wide open in the air, just try to sell you joints with marijuana. And it was very interesting to me because people were just buying them, and it was nothing. There was nothing illegal about it. It was like, okay, here you go. So I guess if we had about twenty people on our tour, maybe half of those people did, or maybe a little less than half the people, maybe about eight or so. And uh, the rest of us who don't who don't smoke didn't, but it was fine. But he has some funny stories. He was telling you one anecdote. He said was that telling us all the kids Bob Marley had, and uh, he's got you know one wife he had five kids with, and then 
five other kids he had with five different wives, and uh, he was very, very funny in, in warning the group. So ladies in the group, I know he's been dead for a long time, but he is, you know, he's got all these kids. Be, watch yourself. Think miracles can happen. So just by the joke was he did it much better than me. But the joke was just by walking around, you could get pregnant by the ghost of Bob Marley because he had all these kids by all these women. It was funny. Yeah, <clears throat> uh, the way he told it was funnier. We spent some time there. Some people bought their marijuana, and then you go to um, an area where there's a gate, and behind the gate, he gives you a little bit of a speech, and. Uh, and, and what he says is uh, he, he first kind of just talks about Bob Marley, talks about a little bit of the history, and then he starts reciting the words to one of the songs. And now on this tour, you get a lot of hardcores. Uh, as big of a music guy as I am, as you guys know, I didn't necessarily, I don't worship Bob Marley. I definitely have a more of an appreciation for him now. And uh, I, I, you know, I never not liked him. It just didn't necessarily uh, speak to me as much, but. You know, on this tour, there were a lot of real Bob Marley heads out there, and uh, he just started talking about this. So he stood in front of this gate, and he told us that we had to um, take our shoes off, and we're outside. We're outside in the rocks and the hills of Jamaica, but we got to take our shoes off. So before he opens the gate, he tells us, no video. Right now, you can do pictures, but there is no video beyond this point. We're about to take you up to the mausoleum. And uh, you know some of the areas where Bob Bob Marley hung out, and you know where he where, where he slept, and this and that, and a little ex- another extension of his house. And then he just goes, "You guys know the song," and he just started going into the song, and he goes, he started singing. He goes, "I wanna love you and treat you right," and then right away, all the other Bob Marley people who were really into it jumped right in. Now I don't know the word for word. I know the song, but I don't know the word for word. So he goes, I want to love you. And this is everybody singing out every day and every night. And everybody's joining in. So now it's a big group singing. We'll be together with a roof right over our heads. And he starts going slow and he looks around and it's very spiritual. And This was a moment. People, you actually feel it if you're into this. And he goes, we'll share the shelter of my single bed. And he looked at everybody and people were like moving. They're like, oh. And he goes, now we will open the gate and we will go see that bed. That was cool. So I was like, you know, got a little chills off that. So then we walk up. So they open the gate and then we're walking up this like limestone driveway. This limestone driveway. And and, uh, you see over to the right, you see where his mother's buried. And uh, that's like, you know, they're all buried above ground. They're just kind of like mausoleum style. Then we continue on, and he tells us we're going to enter into uh, Bob Marley's, you know, the little, I guess, the structure where Bob Marley is laid to rest. And it's a monument, and he's in there, and I think his brother is in there, too. Based on the story that uh, there's a song from Bob Marley called uh, Johnny Was a Good Boy. I didn't know any of this. And Bob Marley wrote a song while he was still alive about basically a song that's meant to comfort his mother because his brother died in the street from a stray bullet. Wrote this song. And the brother was perfectly fine. The mother was alive. He was fine. He just wrote a song about his brother dying in the street. Everybody's alive. Everybody's good. And it's a little weird. Like, why is he writing this fake song? Because, you know, whatever. Bob Marley dies. And like a few years after Bob Marley dies, his brother Johnny is struck in the street by a stray bullet. 
So you know they they that gave him that gives him like profit status for those of people who who really follow him. Is it a coincidence? I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what you believe, what you're into. But guy wrote a song about his brother getting shot in the street. His brother's perfectly fine. He dies nine years later. A couple of years after that, his brother gets shot in the street, and his mother is beside herself over it. So his mother was buried on the side of the limestone uh, stairway, and then I think you know in the mausoleum. So now there's more instruction. So you get up there, you have no shoes on, you have to put away, so you don't get to have shoes, you don't get to, not only do you Canadian that video inside the mausoleum, uh, you also cannot um, take pictures at all. So it's very, very high. So the mausoleum takes about almost 75% of the structure, leaving about a foot and a half of room to walk around it. So before we go in, they all give a, he gives us candles. And we all have to take a candle. And if you're going to walk around it, and, oh, but you're allowed to bring weed in there. You could bring your marijuana in there and smoke it in there. So you're just you're just walking around this mausoleum. Is a cloud of of, of of weed smoke. And there's people, this guy in front of us had like three or four joints. And he was just blowing smoke all over the mausoleum as he walked by. I'm just walking by with my candle. Beatrix thought she was half high just by the smell of it alone. And, uh, you know, it was... I'm not a weed guy. I'm not necessarily a huge Bob Marley guy, but a, an experience like that it stayed with me. It stayed with me a lot, and I and I really really enjoyed it. So <clears throat> that was that, and we uh, walked out. Oh, and he has this rock stone that's right there, and uh, that's apparently in a lot of his songs too. Uh, a rock stone was my pillow last night, and he told us right where he was sitting, and we could all sit there too. It was a little piece of rock where Bob Marley, you know, played his guitar, wrote most of his, a lot of his songs, and then he would kind of fall asleep out there, high as a kite, uh, overlooking the view of, uh, you know, just just Jamaica, because again, we're on uh, Mount Zion, we're at the top of the mountain, so there's a beautiful view. They built a couple of things in the way, so it's not as much of a beautiful view now, but uh, it's still there. Like, if you look around the house and check things out, you could see that there is uh, still a gorgeous, gorgeous scenic view there, so... That was that. So I, I I got done with that, and we got we we came back, and the death ride was still commenced, and we had some jerk chicken after that. The ride back didn't seem quite as bad, but it was still a little rough. But um, it was nice. It was a very very nice tour. Uh, I was planning on saying something to Duke of Brown about just being like, you know what, man, you're a nice guy, and uh, and I'm wishing you the best for your operation. But I want to tell you that wasn't right. You know what I mean? If you weren't going to go to Dun River Falls, just say you weren't going to Dun River Falls. First of all, you should have. You shouldn't have had the second couple, and then you also shouldn't have freaking blamed it on some rain that never happened. Not a drop of rain happened anyway, so it was it. And uh, it was good, man. It was a really, really good experience, and I would definitely, well, I would probably wouldn't do it again because I, I did it. It's like a one-and-done thing, but all right. So the day after that, there was a sea day, and uh, we didn't have much going on. We relaxed, but uh, I was told early in the morning by Beatrix, I think it, there was an announcement that she, and she got up a little bit earlier than me. Nothing crazy. I didn't sleep all day. I wouldn't, we didn't do uh, the Nick and uh, Chris style, style cruises where we'd sleep until 10, 12. So we get the, uh, we get the notification that we are going to have to stop and grant came in for a medic, medical evacuation and uh, no details. There's never any details on these things, but we didn't hear what it was. I don't think it was too critical or grave because someone mentioned that you know we probably would have gotten them a helicopter or something like that but well maybe no maybe it was very grave but we didn't need a helicopter because we were passing Grand Cayman if we looked at the map it was like if you go from uh you know Jamaica 
right across to Cozumel, you're going to hit uh, uh, Grand Cayman. It's basically, you almost have to avoid it. It's very, very proximal there. So that was, it was sad. I, I do hope everybody's okay. Uh, I am interested if anybody ever hears anything about that or any, I'm going to ask, I'm going to continue to ask, but I'm hoping that, uh, you know, they received the attention that they needed and, and they were okay and, and, you know, it has a happy ending. But um, it was interesting because, you know, th- this giant ship comes into port here and there's no port because it's, uh, you know, tender. As you know, Grand Cayman is a tender. But f- three carnival ships and the uh, the Liberty of the Seas. Or was it Liber- Independence of the Seas. No, not Independence. Independence, Freedom, and... Is it Liberty? No. What's the third? What's the third uh, Freedom class ship? Freedom, Independence, and slipping my mind. It's not Freedom, right? It's not Freedom of the Seas. It's some some injustice for all, something like that. One of those one of those uh, patriotic words. but that that went right by us, and uh, it was cool. It was cool to kind of like see all those ships there, and uh, it was very very interesting. But then we were on our way, headed uh, towards, and that was on a sea day, and then we were headed towards Cozumel, Mexico. Now similar situation here. Now Beatrix is all about the culture, so honestly, so was I. You know, so we went and uh, we uh, had a excursion booked for. Um, you know, for uh, listen, I've I've been to Cozumel probably four times now. I've never left the mainland, and uh, I've never. I'm sorry, I've never been to the mainland. I've always stayed on Cozumel, and uh, this time was like, you know what? Let's do the ruins. And one of my bucket list things was to do a cenote as well. And uh, so there was a two in one. Now here's the thing: it is a little bit of a an, another long travel day. And we were considering skipping it. We we're like, is there something more simple we could do? Because after that Jamaica experience, that was like. Two and a half hours of rough terrain travel each way in Jamaica. So we were like, you know what? This looks like it's a similar situation. Maybe we avoid it. We talked about it. You know what, Beatrix? It's up to you. If you want to cancel it, we can cancel it. If not, and then later that night, she's like, you know what? Let's do it. Let's just try. I was like, yeah, let's do it. Sounds good to me. I would have gone either way with it. But thankfully, she did decide that we should stay doing it because um, <clears throat> another great experience. This one was a, a, a great experience the whole way. Yes, it was a little tiring. It was a little rough with the travel. I mean, this was just, I mean, the cruising in general, you're traveling. And then this, you know, you have to take a ferry, which is almost an hour across the, uh, you know, across the sea to go from Cozumel to the mainland. Then you have to get, you know, whisked over to your tour bus. And then on your tour bus, about another hour and a half. Now, the ruins. Let's talk about the ruins for a second. Off the cruise ships, there's basically three options for ruins. And in order of popularity, we probably picked the lowest one. The most popular one is probably Tulum. Now, you're talking land vacation, it's Chichen Itza, because that is the most, uh, I guess, just visually beautiful and aesthetic. So what you have is each three uh, you know, ruins excursions has their own kind of claim to fame as to why you would want to go there. And I'm standing by the fact that we picked the best one that I wanted to go to, but also the least, uh, the least popular one out of all of them. So you have Tulum. 
Tulum is very, very close. And uh, the thing about Tulum is you don't have to go that far. It's like a little bit over an hour. Uh, but the thing is also is that you get two and one for that excursion. The 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 ruins don't over overwhelm you from an impressive standpoint as much as like a you know as much as like a Chichen Itza would. But at the same time, you're also on a beach, so you get a beach, you get ruins, and just the combination of all three. It must be a beautiful, beautiful view, being able to see everything, kind of like you know look at those tombs and look at those ruins, and then kind of see beach and white sand and crystal green water over that it must be a really cool experience then you have chichen itza which chichen itza is like the place to go for the ruins because it's a huge destination it's very very much inland the problem with doing it through a cruise line is that it it's far it's nearly a three-hour drive to get there just after you take the ferry or two hours and a half two and a half three-hour drive depending upon traffic depending upon whatever but it's far and you know what that is a lot of travel for a cruise passenger uh, but overall land-based vacation all in all it is the most popular one because they've done such a great job at restoring them and keeping them looking so pristine and uh, I saw I saw I just want to look I wanted to see pictures because that's what people were telling me so I was like all right how good do these things look and yeah it is a wonder it is a beautiful beautiful thing it's been kept and maintained very very nicely and man it, the fact that this it, it's just basically a piece of functional art that has just stand through the test of time and is, it was really really beautiful and it's probably all inspiring if you're going to be there standing before it now the one we picked was Koba and Koba was picked by us Mainly, A, because it wasn't as far as Chichen Itza, but more importantly for me at least, they don't let you climb these other ones anymore. Colba, you can still climb. If I'm going to go out and do a trek through Mexico and, you know, battle, you know, sea, air, and land to get there and take ultimately two hours and 20 minutes to get somewhere, I want to freaking get on top of the thing. And that's what you were able to do with Colba. So we were able to climb it. The tour guide, uh, shout out to, um, oof. Ma, Ma, Beatrix, what's his name again? Mauricio, Ma, it might have, I think it might have been Mauricio. Um, but he was great. He gave us uh, good information. He did one on ones with us. He was walking with us a lot, and we were asking him a ton of questions. You know, he didn't act like he was annoyed by it at all. Uh, he was great at what he did. He told us a lot about himself and what he does. And, you know, when he's not working for Royal Caribbean tours, sometimes he does these five day tours where he stays with the same group of people and they give him a five day itinerary in morning and night. And, you know, there's so much to do, see, and explore. There was, he actually told us, he's like, don't get mad at me, but there's actually a really, really cool thing to see here at Colba if you ever come back. But we're working on the ship situation, so we don't have time. Plus, we transferred over to a cenote, which I really, really wanted to do. And uh, I was glad we were able to do that. I had, I mean, that's, that's out of control. I mean, what it is is a hole. See, if you see pictures of a cenote, and I didn't realize this, you always see this beacon of light shining into the water. So I'm thinking, all right, so it's in a cave, but that's just an area in the cave. Almost like if you've ever been to Virgin Gorda with the baths, you see the sunlight creeping in. Otherwise, you're covered. That's what I thought it was similar to. Nothing like that at all. That is not sunlight. That is a freaking man-made light bulb that they're shining because they have to because there's no other light otherwise. You go into this little, looks like a well, like a, like a, like a water well, and you go down this spiral staircase, which seems to be like six or seven stories down. 
and you are literally underground. And then when you get to the part where the cenote happens, you see a little bit of a glimmer of light, and they have a man-built dock there, obviously. And then you are in an underwater pitch black would-be cave, only lit by a couple of lights that they have just kind of hanging from the top. But then, yes, there was one little tiny little hole that you can kind of stand in the perfect spot and look all the way up and see, you know, you could see sunlight from there. But then you swim in this thing, and the water was cold. It was cold water, 95 degrees, but cold water. What an amazing experience. It was awesome. There were people with scuba equipment. You could see fish. You're swimming with fish. The guy told us you could freaking drink the water. No shot. (laughs) But he told us you could. And it was just an amazing experience, and we came back. So that was phenomenal, and it was it just found it interesting to hear the differences, and you know whatever whatever um, you know. So whatever you're into, you know what I mean. They're all they're all. I think Chichen Itza is a little bit more, but they're all relatively close to the same price. If you want beach, and you're not so you know, if you want to stay close and get beach, but pretty good ruins, uh, you go see the, uh, the 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 Tulum. If you want to be able to climb the rocks. And but still be relatively close, but not necessarily have the most beautifully well maintained tombs. Uh, you go to Koba, uh, uh, and if you want to just see the most pristine, gorgeous, just eye appealing, amazing, breathtaking structures, you go to Chichen Itza. So there are your choices. They all have little uh, advantages to either one. Um, what else are we going to talk about? Let's talk about the food in general. The food in general, I'll tell you, the Windjammer was a no-go on this. Um, they're doing a new thing here. Uh, first of all, you can't get into the Windjammer unless you, you know, they block it off. They block off all entrances to the Windjammer, making you have to go through this well, hand-washing station. I get the sentiment. I understand it. But what it does for your lines is no good because there was never a time where we'd go to the Windjammer where we didn't have to stand in freaking line for a good 10, 15 minutes or or sometimes five minutes, but sometimes more than 10 minutes. It was just a little bit annoying that that was kind of like, again, who cares? Whatever. You're going to get there. You're going to get in. But, you know, I never experienced that. I never experienced going to a buffet on any cruise ship and having to stand in a line. Granted, it was a 6,500 passenger ship that was sold out. But you know what? There you go. We're talking about what you like versus big versus small. Um, so the Windjammer, I would say, you know, this is a ship where you really got to do specialty dining, to be honest with you. You really kind of, because the main dining room doesn't kill it. It's not bad. The Windjammer, I did have uh, four nights there, I think. Or three nights there? Yeah, three nights. No. Four four trips to the Windjammer. I think I doubled up a couple times. Yes, I doubled up on Wonderland night. <laughs> so I think it was like two and two. Twice I had good experiences there. The food was good and everything was good. And twice it was just like, you know, they put this corn out, which has been sitting around forever. Some of the meat's very, very tough. Some of the food's not flavorful. But then there were other nights where it was good. Again, not blaming them. It's just probably what comes along with being on a ship that big and having all the other things that you can enjoy on that ship, you know, Making it, you know, it's hard. It's hard to cover all the bases. I get it. Um, It's hard to feed 6,500 people, you know, hot, good food, tasty, and not having to hold any of it at any time. So I get that. What did we eat? We ate it on Wonderland. Food Wonderland was very, very good. The experience overall was really, really good. You know, they don't even look at it as like appetizers, dinner, or desserts. They look at it as elements. You're going to eat the sea. You're going to eat the land. You're going to eat the air. You're going to eat, you know, whatever else. And you know, they kind of like just bring out food for you. 
and uh, you pay the cover charge. And, you know, as far as the appetizers go, they wanted to kind of just bring out what they thought was good. We let them do that, except Beatrix wanted the caprese salad too. So he added that, and he was cool enough to bring that out as well. And then, yes, we order our entrees. So that was good. She had uh, a halibut dish, and uh, I had the uh, I got the braised beef. Uh, the appetizers were really good. I'll, I'll put a video out of just, just the food as I usually do as well. And that'll be like, uh, you know, you can see what it is. I'll try to do the best I can to remember what it was. So we'll label it. Dessert was awesome. It was just very visual. The whole experience was visual. You know, the decor was very interesting. Uh, I definitely recommend Wonderland. You know what I mean? You think also that you're not going to get filled up when you go there. You know what? I wasn't filled up, but I was I was, I was comfortable. I, I ate enough. I ate good. Uh, might have had something to do with the roast beef uh, dinner I had two hours before in the Windjammer, but still, it was good. I was still hung- went in hungry, and uh, it felt good leaving there. Also, we did Jamie's, um, <clears throat> the British guy who has an Italian restaurant for some reason. I guess, I don't know. I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> it was fine. It was really good. Uh, the food there was, was delicious. What did I get? She got uh, polenta, I think, and I got something pretty basic. Uh, what did I get there? Whatever it was, I really enjoyed it. Um, we had a couple appetizers. Um, waiter, waiter was nice. The service is really good in the specialty restaurants. We went to 150 Central Park. By the way, our cabin was directly over 150 Central Park, which was cool. Uh, good location. Um, really, really enjoyed that. Uh, Central 150 Central Park. I wouldn't probably do that again. You know what I mean? I didn't. I wasn't blown away by it. I got the tenderloin. Um, the apps were good. The selection doesn't blow you away. There wasn't a ton of stuff to choose from, but it was good enough. You know what I mean? This, this ship wasn't necessarily, there were, there were spots where the food was phenomenal, but overall the food, I would probably give a six out of 10 overall. You know what I mean? If you're really looking for good, good food, I wouldn't do a, uh, an Oasis class ship. It was a similar situation when I went with Kay on the Oasis. It was good, but not great. Um, what else did we eat? Those were the three specialty dining, the main dining one we talked about. Always the doghouse was really good. I definitely recommend doing the doghouse. Uh, I didn't get Johnny Rockets this time. Um, liked it. We did Sabor. Beatrix likes Sabor much more. I must have an issue with Sabor because a lot of people like Sabor and really, really you know, love it. I actually did like it on the Freedom, but on the Oasis and the Harmony, it wasn't as good. I didn't find it to be as good. Uh, it was okay. It wasn't. It just wasn't bad. But Beatrix really, really enjoyed it. Um, and then, uh, what else do we? Oh yeah, you gotta. You have to have. And I don't know what it is about this freaking sandwich, but you have to go to the Central Park Cafe, and you have to have the roast beef sandwich. I mean, it's just. I don't know what they do. It's just they slice it. They must marinate it and season it perfectly. They slice it, cooked perfection. They put it on the bread. The bread is delicious. And then just a simple, uh, you know, just swipe of horseradish. And I could eat five of them. It was so freaking good. Um, and that's it. That's that's really all there is to speak of with the food. Talk about the roving entertainment. The roving entertainment was solid. The best of the roving entertainment to me was the guitar guy. Sorry, Nicole. Uh, you're going to get mad at me because this guy was better than Judge, uh, Judge Joe Brown. We called this guy Judge Joe Brown for absolutely no reason on the, uh, on the freedom. Uh, but this guy was better. Youngish, good-looking guy. He reminded me a lot, Nick, if you're hearing this, of the piano guy, the guy, the Justin Timberlake piano guy we we had on the uh, uh, 
this the splendor, which was great because this kid was a young, good-looking kid, and all the girls came to see him. But he's busy working, so you know we could all you know intermingle and have some fun. But uh, this we didn't, this wasn't a drunken crew, so we weren't doing that. But he was uh, playing the guitar, and he was always in the English pub, and he had this kind of like thing where he could play the guitar, record it, and then loop it, and then he'd play a song over it and play percussive instruments. You know, whatever he did, he, so he kind of created one of those things where he creates his own little kind of mini band, all electronically, but all done by what he's doing, sitting right there. So that was really cool, and he kind of got the party going. He would play acoustic versions of really modern songs, and that was cool. Also, in the Roving Entertainment, the reggae band was very, very good. Not the best ever. You know, the guys, the guys on Norwegian, uh, what is it? I forgot. I forgot what their name, their name of that band was on the Norwegian Gem. They were still the best. I mean, that was just a all star cast of just people that were just the roving entertainment on the Norwegian Gem. That couple of those couple of cruises we took on that was just out of control. But this guy, this this band was very very good. It they weren't taking too many chances. It was there was kind of basic. You know what I mean? You had your regular covers done reggae style, which they're not reggae songs, but they make them reggae songs, and they do a medley where they play the same beat for like fifteen minutes, but somehow work, you know, eight different songs into it with the same beat. You know what I mean? So they do they were doing all that, all very listenable, entertaining, and really really cool to listen to by the pool. Um, solid the piano guy was very very good uh in schooners uh he was really good as well and uh the you know what i'll say the the band the regular house band now royal caribbean does it on these oasis class ships they just keep the house band in dazzles the full four five six piece band that just kind of knows all the music that you want to hear uh basically a borderline dj like type setup they were pretty good you know what i mean they weren't they they were probably the 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 weak link of the roving entertainment group <clears throat> you could tell that they didn't they were off key with the singing a little bit and while they were playing the music on time and they were getting the notes correctly there wasn't too much to it they just the band was just kind of like there it's almost like a they almost felt like they were playing songs they were very very talented musicians that were playing songs that they just were reading the sheet music for so they weren't that great um I did my traditional last night of the week, last night of the cruise. Where the sun goes down. To me, that is a ceremonious time. It's almost like the end of a festival, the last sundown on the last sea day. And uh, yes, I had a couple of drinks for that, me and Beatrix. Beatrix wanted to watch tennis. I was going by the pool to do that. I had maybe four or five drinks in me. And then I just texted Beatrix, you know, it's the last two hours of sunset. Forget about the tennis. Come up, hang out. She's like, all right, yeah, let's do it. So she came up. She wasn't going in the pool. She goes, especially day seven. I'm not going. To, <laughs> I'm not getting it. I'm not putting my feet in that thing. Whatever. I was like, you know what? I'm less. Uh, I'm less concerned. So I was. I had my drink going, and the sun's going down. I'm having some drinks, and uh, we cool. We, we cool. We we kind of just chilled and talked for like two hours as the sun was going down, and that was awesome. So that was phenomenal. And the last thing I want to speak of uh, on on this thing. Oh, I did the slide. I did the freaking not the abyss. There's a little too much for me. People getting hurt on that thing. I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I don't know. Whatever. I leave the abyss alone. But I got on one of the water slides, and I was actually a little nervous because you know how fast is this thing gonna go? It was terrifying, but not for the reason you think it was terrifying. I wasn't scared because I was going 100 miles an hour. I was going too slow, and I looked at this thing, and it was a long, arduous track of pitch black. You're in water. You're in a pipe. You can see nothing, and I felt myself 
possibly maybe about to stop a couple of times. I'm like, hell no. If I stop in this thing, in this little tube that I'm basically feel like a Western Union moneygram going through a chute, uh, and I stop and I got to wiggle my way, who knows what's happening on the other end? Do they think I'm through? They're going to send somebody else in to blast me out? Uh, That was horrifying. So I just tried to like, (laughs) what I tried to do was... Uh, lean up with as much of my body as I can, so as little of my actual body was touching the floor, the the the, the actual slide as possible, so that hopefully that would make me a little bit more uh, not aerodynamic, but de- I would I would decrease the resistance in my mind. No idea if that was really going to work or not, but I tried it. Um, so what I did want to talk about was the general entertainment, and uh, I have to say this, and this is where. Just the, the cruise in general. We'll, we'll 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 sum this up with some general thoughts. I will say I said it before. This is not the cruise I would pay uh, above a thousand dollars for. You'd have to give me a great crew and a sick itinerary, and we're going. And you know what, Tommy, just do it because we're all doing it. And here's where we're going, and we got to do it. And then I'd jump on, but I would never make the decision knowingly <clears throat> to sell paying for the Oasis class anymore. I don't think because now. When I say that, please understand I'm saying this also. I was so happy to be on it. And the fact that the wonderment of it and just being in awe of the ship. You guys could tell by the pictures I was posting. I cannot believe this is a freaking cruise ship. When you talk about... Here, let me get some notes here. What was I saying here? Um, it's the, it's the total wow factor. They totally outclass the other lines when you're talking about the level that they take things to. Just, so, I mean, I don't cruise for entertainment. I don't cruise for the for the for the production at the roving entertainment. I cruise a little bit more for. I want I want good roving entertainment, but the big stuff I don't necessarily cruise for. But you have to be impressed by it. This dive show, I, I will. I mean, that will stay with me for a long time when I watched. The, the fact that they were able to do this, where, where are they finding these people? I mean, between the ice skating, between the dive show, between the synchronized swimming, they must have former borderline Olympians on this freaking ship. And then from there, like you said, just the fact that there's a dive theater with those giant diving boards, the platform that's able to be raised and lowered, the production that goes behind that, the crew that must go behind that. I mean, you go up there... I mean, that has to be like 55 feet in the air. I think that's what they said it was. And you're ready to jump off that diving board. And, you know, what was just a floor is now a deep water pool. And you got to trust that somebody did their job and you're going to dive headfirst into that thing. I don't know if you're getting me to do that ever, ever. I mean, that's out of control. And then uh, you got these robot bartenders. You got the two flow riders. You have the rising tide bar. You have a bar in the middle of the main, you know, town square area, the promenade, where you can sit there. It holds 40, 50 people, and it just rises you up and down. You could just sit on an elevating bar and, and de, you know, de-escalating bar. Um, <clears throat> the, central, the fact that they build the central park, the fact that there's a, a park on the ship that is that they pipe in bird noises, chirping birds, and is like, the most peaceful thing, if you're talking about going for a walk in a nice neighborhood at night, I mean, you feel like you're there. You are there. The bushes, the flowers, the plants, everything. I mean, you know, it, it's 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 
I, I personally also love the idea of a royal promenade. A, a lot of cruise line, no cruise line also does that. I just like the fact that it, it's so much better than an atrium to me and that you just have this town square area where me and that's what me and Beatrix were kind of calling it. It's in essence sort of this nerve center that kind of ties the whole ship together, especially at night. Um, you have the boardwalk. While I don't think they utilize the boardwalk as much as they should, and they think they could do much more with the boardwalk, but the fact that you have like that boardwalk area that takes you back to like the New Jersey Shore, and you know you have the little storefronts in front of it, whether it's Starbucks, whether it's an arcade, whether it's the doghouse, whether they have the freaking merry-go-round. Um, they should put more live music out there at night and things like that. I think they should do some more stuff with the boardwalk. But again, there's so many areas on the ship. They have to control the flow. You know what they didn't do this time? They didn't do like the, the disco party or the 70s party that they normally do. Unless I missed it. I didn't see the, I didn't see them do, which is another one of their calling cards. I know the parade is the main one. But the night before or sometime in the middle of the cruise, they usually do like a you know, cruise director inspired, like, uh, basically they turn the whole promenade into a dance party. Um, <clears throat> I didn't see them doing that. They may have, I'll check into that, but I didn't see them do that. Um, what's not good about it though. What I don't like about it is that you just don't get the personal touch. The, the, the staff, you'll get your one or two, like, whereas most of the cruises you go on, most of the staff is good. And there's, there's like 20% that's a little over it. They're not really, you know, whether it's because they're getting off the ship soon or whether they just hate it or whether they're just kind of riding it out. They don't care about the job anymore. They're not motivated anymore and they're almost done. <clears throat> so it's very, very hard to motivate and kind of like discipline and kind of like, uh, what you say discipline? I called accountable someone who knows that they're going to get off the ship soon. Um, so you're always going to have that. But there's a lot more of it on the Oasis, and it seems like it's probably just a little bit more accepted on the Oasis because, you know what, it's just the personal touch is not there from both ang- angles. From a guest standpoint, normally you make a lot of friends on cruises. You find this crew, and you see the same people at least you know once every couple of days. You can go on this ship, and you may not see the person you saw. You could have a the people I was on the barge with that I, had a, a, I felt the bond with, had a whole three-hour drinking session with them. I never saw them again, just never run, ran into them because on a regular cruise, you just assume you will on this thing you don't uh i talked about the food the food is just not that good um again i understand that i'm not giving them a hard time for that um the the other thing it's just it's got to be very very difficult to coordinate all that food and have it come out you know the way it's supposed to come out in a timely fashion for that many people so i give them credit on that and I, and i give them a pass on that um there's no one thing is that they should do this there's like four pools on the ship and none of them are adults only or at least not enforced. They still got the pool bouncers out there, and uh, there were kids in every one of the damn pools. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't mean I don't mean that like that. I just mean you know what? It would be nice to have an adult pool with there's no kids. You know, no offense. You know, I'm not. A, I don't cruise with a family, so I think they should have that. And and just the flow and stuff and the wind jammer that was rough too. Um, I rethought two things also, and just cruising in general, and, and reasons why. Because you know, you go on these cruises. How many of you guys, I, I like to talk about the subtle cruise bliss. I did a show on it once, and I don't know if I have enough to really do a whole nother show on it, but um, <clears throat> we all know about why we cruise, the excursions, entertainment, the places we go, and the people we're with, and the drinking, and the eating, and all that stuff, and the bingo, whatever you like to do on your shopping, uh, whatever you like to do on your cruise. I like to think about a lot of times the subtle cruise bliss and like the reasons why, you know what, that 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 reason why, why do you really cruise that you don't necessarily think about before you cruise, but once you're on it, it's amazing. And just like, 
there's things about cruising, you know, for example, I've touched on it, you know, that sunset when the when the sun's going down and your arms, you have a drink in your hand, but you aren't, you're at the corner of the pool with your arms on either end out of the pool, kind of like on the ledge, just kind of chilling, taking in, you know, the less strong rays of the, of the sun setting and you're with, you know, friends and the music's kind of still going and you're just chilling. It's just peaceful. You're looking at the end of the world by the horizon. You know, that's just the time where you kind of stop and reflect. And I just love that part of the cruise. One of my favorite parts of the cruise, too, is when you're having a good time, but you're sweating your ass off. And, uh, you know, you're running around, going from pool to pool, from towel to, you know, you're getting your towel, you're returning your towel. Okay, now it's like you're going to go inside now. Don't you guys love when those double doors automatically shoot open and you're hit with that perfect combination of strong AC and just cruise ship smell? Don't you guys love that when you're walking around and you're just in the natural open air, which you love to begin with, it's sun, but now you're out of you're gonna be out of the sun and all of a sudden you're hitting the face with this nice brisk of cold air as such a relief, almost like a trade wind, and then the aroma that comes with it that just reminds you, Yeah, I'm on a cruise. Um uh, so two two things that I, I noticed that I didn't necessarily ever I don't think verbalized, but the couple of things I love about cruising is that I had some complaints about this ship, uh, none that I think you should take seriously and none that should ever keep you from going on the ship because I think every man, woman, and child should go on an Oasis-class ship just for the just the experience alone. Just, just do it once. You should. Um, <clears throat> but uh, the, the fact that you can go on a ship like that, you know what I mean? There's cruises out there that you could pay five thousand, six, seven thousand dollars a person for, for even just a couple, not even like extended, like even seven to ten day cruises, crystal cruises, the super luxury cruises. And what is it about those cruises that you're paying for? Um, you're paying for the service. You're paying for the fact that it's a suite. You're paying for over the top, like like prime food. You know, you're getting the best of most things. They're not nickel and diming. Everything's included. I get all that stuff. But the fact that, you know, they're going to give me a free cruise and the fact that it's basically if I was going to pay for this cruise, it's they will build a ship like this and it will be the biggest and most. Tell me something that's more impressive that was ever built in the world than an Oasis class cruise ship. And it's pretty much the same price as a regular cruise. Yeah, depending upon the time of year. Yes, when it's really new or whether it's going certain places and during high, you know, high traffic times of year, yeah, you're going to pay more. And they are more expensive than the, you know, 2000 person carnival ships and this and that. Um, oh, shoot. Forgot to talk about the fantasy, carnival fantasy. We're going to get back to that in a second. But the fact that you can get on this thing that has a dive show, has Olympic level performers, has the utmost uh just next level elements of technology you have uh whether it's bumper cars whether it's uh you know zip lines whether it's surf machines all that stuff you could put all these things on a cruise ship and it's pretty much a very reasonably priced thing and it doesn't go up here's the other thing i like about cruising i like the fact and this is maybe just like a you know whatever of me if you go on a land-based vacation you go to a bar you go to a restaurant you eat you get a drink you finish your food you finish your drink or don't, but then you leave that place empty-handed and you go to another bar. You got to go to that bar. Okay, you want to sit in this bar, in this chair? You're buying this drink. You're buying this appetizer. What do you get? Cruises, you just love it because you can literally buy a drink at the Windjammer or get a drink at, at, uh, you know, at, the, at the pool bar 
take it down to the Windjammer, put it wherever you want, and then walk to the Royal Promenade and sit in a completely different bar with a perfect view of the parade or the dancing or the, or the, or the nightlife or whatever, just watching the world go by, and sit there. And the waitress comes by, asks you if you want anything, only just because if you want anything, not because you have to get up if you don't buy anything. You could take your freaking food from the Windjammer, full plate, take it into the Central Park Cafe, eat the Central Park Cafe, eat it there, eat it on your lap if you want, take it wherever you want on this cruise ship, and then just... And you're supposed to leave it where it is. You know what I mean? Clearly, you don't want to, like, dump work on people. But, you know, you're supposed to leave your your food on the table, whatever it is. It's just you can go wherever you want. You can bring whatever you want. You don't have to worry about, you know, X restaurant uh, conflicting with the other restaurant. You could bring one drink to another, another food item to another. Go wherever you want. Do whatever you want. Just be free and easy on a cruise. Before I go, yes, I had to talk about the Carnival Fantasy. So we are in, it was Cozumel, Mexico, and, you know, you get off the ship, and it's this gorgeous structural wonder that you're looking at. You just got off this ship, and then you look to the left, and the Carnival Fantasy was there, and I posted the pictures of it. Now, guys, again, over and over again, I disclaim, but I just can't help it. I know I give them a hard time. It's out of love. Royal Caribbean versus Carnival today. I'm picking Carnival every time. It's a it's it's a, it's a cruise line that I like more. You know, Royal Caribbean's catching up fast. I'll tell you that. But Carnival for me is is I would choose Carnival over Royal Caribbean as a cruise line. But I say about these fantasy class ships, I say it over and over again, and people are starting to say it back. People are starting to agree, and I'm going to tell you, I say this out of love to Carnival. You can't keep putting these freaking things out there. This bucket of rust, the side of the ship, the hull was just rusty. It was rusty. And people are looking at it and commenting. And Carnival, you're the biggest cruise line in the world. This is your brand. This is you. I don't give a shit about, you know, how uh, cost effective it is for you or what it looks like to the people who are investing in your brand or whatever. You're still Carnival Cruise Line that you should be embarrassed. And I'll go to the next point because I did overhear people talking about it. People were saying, what the hell is that? That's Carnival. What is that? And then during the Quest game, which I didn't go to, Beatrix went to and she reported back to me, that the cruise director, who was Abe, who was pretty good. I don't know if you guys know Abe. The hardcore cruise people know Abe, I guess, because he made an announcement in his Facebook post that I guess he was off the Harmony for a while, but then he got back on it somehow. I don't know if there was a controversy or whatever. Very funny. Funny guy. Very witty guy. He does uh, have some good off-the-cuff lines, which probably aren't off-the-cuff. He's probably got them written. He says it over and over again, but he's pretty witty. He's, he's pretty good. I didn't have any problem with the cruise director, Abe. But he was la- he was abusing the carnival ship. He's like, can you imagine... Don't you feel good getting off this ship at port? You know what I mean? Could you imagine? Don't you feel he's like, he said, this is what he said. And it's not true. This is what Beatrix said. Beatrix doesn't make up stories. That people were hiding in shame getting off the ship next to us because, and then he quoted, he's like, because we get off this ship and this gorgeous piece of, uh, you know, uh, the structural engineering and they're getting off this floating mobile home. That was his words. The cruise director on our Royal Caribbean cruise, called a carnival ship competitor next to us, docked, called it a floating mobile home. That's what he said. I don't know if you're supposed to do that. I don't know if it's uh, it's it's in good taste to directly, but 
this is what they're bringing on themselves. Like, I don't understand it. You know? Oh, okay. Almost equally. Carnival gets it in this way. Aft pull. We've spent a sunset by the freaking abyss and the closed flow rider, the closed abyss, the closed bar back there. There was nothing to do back there. Anything. There was nothing you could do. But you had the most beautiful, gorgeous sightline of one of the best sunsets I've ever seen. And there's no action out there. Carnival does get that part of it, though. You know what I mean? I'm just saying. It was just crazy to hear all the comments be made about the ship itself and what it was looking like. And it was crazy that I got to listen to because I like Carnival. I like to, as much as I break their chops, it's like a, it's like my, it's like a something close to you. You know what I mean? They're close to me, so I give them a hard time. And yeah, the fantasy class is a joke, but it's, it's annoying to me. I was offended by listening to another cruise director say, look at the ship you're on. Thank God, right? You see those people hiding their heads because they're just getting off of a floating mobile home. That, that, that made me mad. But out of love for Carnival, I just want I just want that I just want that to not happen anymore. So I don't know. I don't think Carnival's gonna do anything as a result of this rant, but I just wanted to share my thoughts. Ladies and gentlemen, that's it. I'm back. Tomorrow, do you believe I have a cruise to Cuba tomorrow? I am excited about it. Um, I am also excited to get back from it, to be honest with you. I know everybody's, I'm not going to get any much, much sympathy points of going on a back to back cruise, but I got to get my, I got to get things going. I got no job. I got to get back into, I got to get back into reality. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to doing that. I'm really looking forward to this cruise with these guys. You're going to have some stories off this one, guys. There's going to be some booze. There's going to be some wacky, wacky shenanigans that go on in this, you know, speaking of (laughs) floating mobile, even the sky, you know what I mean? The sky is by no means an impressive cruise ship. It's the bottom of the barrel for Norwegian but I don't know we'll see I'll get on that I'll be surprised if it looks anywhere close to as bad as the carnival fantasy looked when it pu- pulled into port in Cozumel Mexico thank you guys for listening uh, glad to be back you're going to hear plenty of me I'm going to roll out a whole structure of what this whole always be booked thing is going to be there's going to be some YouTube stuff there's going to be more consistent stuff more I guess just like structure to the whole thing. And uh, Patreon people, don't forget, you got an episode coming your way very, very soon. It might be in the form of an interview. Uh, Guys, we got 16 people left before we announce the group cruise. $5, patreon.com slash always be booked. And, uh, you know, we'll be one step closer. You'll have another episode a week. And uh, that's it. Facebook group, Always Be Booked Cruisers Ultra Lounge on Facebook. Please join. Email me. We need the emails. We didn't do the emails this one because we just don't have time to prepare and bring everything together. We have plenty of emails in the stun. If you did email me, your email is going to get read on the next episode. Uh, Like, share, subscribe, do all that stuff if you're so inclined. Thank you, Cones. Boat drinks. There's a place. Where the boat leaves from, it takes away I love your big problems You got worries, you could drive them in the blue ocean But you gotta get away to where the boat leaves from Take one part sand, one part sea And one part shade of a nine on tree And the drinks are cold and the reggae is hot And I know this is the place for me Get away to where the boat leaves from, it takes away I love your big problems You could worries, you could drop them in the blue ocean But you gotta get away to where the boat leaves Jimmy Perfectly good island somewhere Well, I'll ride the boats and don't grab your coat 
You won't need it where we are going Get away to where the boat leaves from It takes away all of your big problems You can worries, you can drop them in the blue ocean But you gotta get away to where the boat leaves from Pick me up Pick me up Pick me up Put me down Down in the sand where it's cool Put me down And when I fall on my stool Put me down I'll just leave there till morning comes round Sunshine ten ladies and pina coladas And Bob Marley songs that I'm playing There's a song in my ear that I want you to hear Soft tropical lips that are singing Get away to where the boat leaves from It takes away all of your big problems You can worries, you can drop them in the blue ocean But you gotta get away to where the boat leaves from So get away to where the boat leaves from It takes away all of your big problems You can worries, you can drop them in the blue ocean But you gotta get away to where the So get away to where the boat leaves from It takes away all of your big problems You can worries, you can drop them in the blue ocean But you gotta get away to where the boat leaves from